the Easter Bunny has brought you uh, an edition of Improvised Radio Theatre with dice, daffodils, fluffy bunnies running all about. This time we're going to be talking about, what well, we're not going to be talking about fluffy bunnies, unfortunately we're going to be talking about doom. Fluffy and, bunnies roasted on a spit. And death, and, and having your homeland torn apart by objectionable nobles and mercenaries and, 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 and two popes. And also... Cross-world campaigns. Um, Access the Infinite City, Infinite Worlds. What is what is opinion about cross-world campaigns? What's difficult about them that doesn't really show up elsewhere? So, on to the first thing. Roger's been reading a book, and it's caused him to think all sorts of diverse and interesting thoughts. Roger, tell us about this book. This is A Distant Mirror by Barbara Tuchman. It's a popular history of 14th century France. And I've recently reviewed it on my blog, and I'll link to that. It, it, it threads across most of Western Europe and into yeah. uh, and, in, and uh, into the Ottoman Empire. Well, the, the, the principal focus is on France, though. Yeah. France and England. Yeah. And it caused me to have a feeling I hadn't had for quite a long time, which is I actually feel vaguely like running a fantasy campaign. Hmm. Well, I'll lie down and the feeling will go away. But, um, but all right, what what was it that was interesting to you about the book? Well, tell, uh, tell them about the book, first of all. Uh, it's basically a history of the latter half of the 1300s. Of the Hundred Year War, Years, years War, mostly. Yep. Uh, lots of England fighting against France, and nobody comes out of that looking terribly good. Um, a thoroughly doomed military expedition into the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, as its climax. It's built around the life, it's sort of hung around the life of Engelrand, I think I pronounced that. De Cousy, yeah. Uh, Eng- the last Engelrand de Cousy, uh, Sire de Cousy, um, Anger on the seventh. Who they were a family who owned one of the, the huge tracts of huge tracts of lands and a very large castle, on the road between uh, Paris and Picardy, and he was one. He was the mightiest of the barons or the lowliest of the earls, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, and what one of the first things that uh, I really got from this book is how, how mobile that particular bit of medieval society was. I mean. School history basically had it as, you know, you, you are your class and that's it. Yeah. But it was rapidly became very clear that, no, if, if you were successful enough, if, if you made lots of money as, as, a, as a peasant, you could become, not, not just, a, I say a rich peasant, but a rich peasant is a qualitatively different thing from a peasant. Yeah. You could be a, a bloke who had other people working for you. And at the same time, you've got large, you still have, have huge amounts of Pride in, fa- in family, pride in ancestry, and birth rank as a as a as a as a counterweight. To yeah, that. so so this works both ways. You you've got the old knight of good family who who's run out of money, mm. and his family is on the way down, and you might well arrange for your son to marry his daughter or vice versa. Yeah, and then your offspring, um, your descendants, who are after all the people who are going to keep you alive when you're old are of a higher status than you might otherwise get. And, on the uh, but on the other hand, Engelrand de Cousy, who is, is the hero, I think, because um, he is, whilst he's almost, as, he's not quite as big a bastard as the the rest of the nobility. Though some of the <laughs> That's stuff, another key point. <laughs> <laughs> though, though some of the stuff he pulls whilst he's down, down in, in, in Italy is, ba- is basically... Strong arm um, extortion tra- tactics as applied to entire city states, um, and he is um, and he has more c- peasant-like common sense than the the rest, and he does die because his advice gets o- overridden by um, a highly born idiot who is in command of him at, on his last on, in his last expedition. Yeah, th- this is very much uh, one of the other major threads in here is, is the decline of chivalry. Um, the decadence. In- the de- well, yes, the decadence, but also the obsolescence. Yeah. 
because you know, chivalry gets started because the bloke on the horse with his tin plate is the ultimate battlefield weapon. Yeah. Nothing can touch him. And then the longbow comes along. It's coming along, and the longbow and the well-disciplined, well-trained troop of men with, of peasants with pikes. Yeah, there, there aren't a lot of well-disciplined troops in this book. That's that's well, that, Yeah, but the, there's the echo of the of, of the the, of the rising Swiss Confederation and what the the Spanish uh, did to the to, the, and there is the and there is the story of the mostly unsuccessful, let's be frank, entirely unsuccessful peasant and middle-class rebellions against taxation, mm. against the fact that these bloody wars keep on going on and on. And when they're not spending our money on wars, they're spending it on gold leaf. <laughs> I, I think the I think one of the uh, the worst things, um, one of the nastiest things, is that it illustrates the truth of unhappy is the king uh, land where, whose king is a child. And as the, mm. the corollary, this is be- especially if he has uncles, because <laughs> John of Gaunt and the, the other English uncles of uh, a young king are bad, but the, the French uncles, the Duke of Burgundy, the Duke of Orleans, the Duke de Berry, are complete and utter swine. And their idea of, oh good, of responding to, oh good, we've got some taxes in the, the, the budget, is, ba- is balanced, the, the treasury is full, is right, let's steal it and go off and launch an expedition somewhere entirely outside France that won't do any good to anybody. And, of course, to, to make the money back after that's failed, let, let, let us sell the land that I hold from the French king to the English king. Yeah. As long as, as, long as he leaves me in charge of it, obviously. Yeah, the, uh, the, the problem is, uh, the book is, is largely about why feudalism is not a good idea. And one of the problems is that upward mobility for, uh, if you happen to be, say, a Duke of France, is, is basically, there's a land over there which hasn't got the king over it. This is an abomination to me. I <laughs> shall go and get myself made king of it somehow. Purely for their own good, of course. Of course, they need, they need a Valois uh, lording it over them. And the Pope agrees with me. Yeah. Now that brings us to another thing. <laughs> Which is yes, uh, th- this is the years of the Avignon Papacy and, and the um, schism. So, but basically, yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, basically, that for for several generations, the kings of France decided it'd be nice to have a French chap being pope. Let's relocate them to France, which was known by historians as the Babylonian captivity. <laughs> and then, when somebody actually did go back uh, back. To Rome and said, "No, I'm the Bishop of Rome. I should be in Rome." We, you ended up with at uh, this stage two people being rival popes and and Western Christianity being split between them. One of them elected, let, let us point out, because, because the um, Roman bishops thought thought he was the voice of moderation, which he was. And as soon as he was elected, right, it's fanaticism time. I think. I th- it, well, well, Tuchman uh, classifies him as actually going to start bonkers once yeah. he got on, onto the throne. Um, whereas the whereas the rival who was appointed um, yeah, um, by by the French cardinals once they got back home um, was merely somebody who went around oh, massacring a large numbers of civilians whilst leading the the church's uh, field army, which is you know just the sort of thing you need for for representing the Prince of Peace. The church's field army, well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> The, so, uh, yeah. so, all right, all right, this, this is wonderful stuff, and it's a jolly good book. It is a bit frustrating occasionally because it, it, she skims over, she's got a lot to get through. Yeah. And she does, in a way that I can, I can, as I read it, I can feel it irritating more academic historians than me. Yeah, I, I think I would have liked it to be either about a quarter the length or ten times as long or more. Yeah, um, the, there's a point where, where she, she discusses well, she just drops the fact that Foissart, who was uh, the great chronicler and propagandist of the myth of chivalry, in his life of England, of course, he suddenly tells an outright, flat-out lie, a tale that can't have happened, she says. <laughs> and she doesn't bother to stop and explain why he might have said this, or why she she believed that his account is rubbish and the other accounts are true. Anyway, that that's the book. That's the book. We're, we're not here to talk about the book. We for, have for done, it's great fun. Um... So what about the game? All right. What inspire? What is it, does this inspire you to do? Well, it 
it's the the feel of the environment is an intriguing one. It's mm. I, d I don't know whether, whether you had the same sort of English school history that I did. Probably not, because the English school history I had was particularly bad, even of its type. Yeah. But there's always this great feeling of stasis in, in what I was taught. As you know, the situation was like this: there was the king, there was the other king, there was the other king, but it basically went on being the same way, and there were these wars, and then suddenly it was a different dynasty, and everything was different. Yeah, well, well, she's looking differently at the turning points of, of. Yeah, well, for a start, because she's not focused on the English kings. Well, quite. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it's what what really grabbed me was that this idea of fluidity. Yeah. Um, and you know, you 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 can start as a peasant, you can rise to lead a free company. Um, you may not become a, a you know, mainline duke of France, but you you can get an awful lot of power and status and, and territory. Yeah, constable of France was it was the job that they tended to give to somebody who was with practical skills. But also of the right sort of family as well. Yeah. Then again, you could always marry the right person's daughter. Yeah. Um, so, so that fluidity was, was the thing thing that attracted me, and just as a baseline for a fantasy environment that's not the generic everything sanded off medieval that I think has become the standard. Yeah. And I, I still want to add weird stuff to it. Uh, I don't want to run a purely, purely historical game apart from anything else. It would be desperately depressing. But I, I, I think there's something in there that, that's fun. I, Okay, hang on. Well, when, what sort of fantasy world do you want to to run? Uh, broadly speaking, there is, and how much do you want to take from the the, the source, and how much do you want to alter? Yeah. Broadly speaking, there's um, alternate Earth, there's parallelish Earth, same sort of geography and history, but but numbers filed off, names altered, and that sort of thing. And what, and here's a big thing, what number of fantasy, and there's, you know, completely wackadoodle and, and over the top. What sort of uh, stuff do you want to preserve, and what sort of fantasy tropes, maybe this is a question for later, do you want to bring in? Well, I, I, I want to keep that social feeling, I'm not worried about the precise geography or this battle happened in this order or anything like that. Well, I mean, geography and, matters, if you don't... Yeah, have... but not the precise geography. All right, go on. I mean, there, there will be something like an English Channel. Fair enough, yes, that's what I was thinking. Of. Because it stops England and France casually invading each other and pushing the border back and forth. Yeah. And th this is the, a, a thing that I spotted for myself some, some years ago. Um, in mainland Europe, most borders are not along obvious geographical features. Hmm. And therefore, there is the, there was, at least, the mindset that they can be shifted back and forth, you know, half a mile here, a few miles there, and it, and it doesn't fundamentally change the way you look at things. Yeah. Whereas in England, we've always had the channel. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I was thinking originally of, of using something like real-world history, but I wanted to include magical and fantastic elements. Yeah. Um, if they are newly known in the world, mm. the history has gone, you know, as we know it, up to a particular point, then suddenly this stuff starts appearing, then the game is about that stuff starting appearing. Yeah. Which is fine, uh, but it's not the sort of game I want to run. On the other hand, if these things have been about for a very long time, then why is it still real-world history? It, it shouldn't be yeah. recognisable anymore. So, what, what I was thinking I would do is say, this, this is a completely separate world which has a lot of historical parallels, mm -hmm. but which has had the strange stuff going on for a long time. And the, the thing that's occurred to me as an obvious thing to draw, um, a lot of the book deals with attitudes towards the Jews. Yeah. Because they were both convenient, because they could lend a king of money to start a never pointless war, and um, widely hated, which meant, therefore meant the king could expel them when they wanted the money back. And uh, and the first the first thing, well, actually about the third thing, the uh, the peasant risings al always did was massacre the Jews. So who do you have who who's in in a fantasy setting who's no, known for taking the long view? Um, they look weird. They they dress weird. They eat strange food. They're known particularly for their work with gems. I see. <laughs> yeah, except, except let, 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 let us be frank. Your average, your average dwarf is 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 um, better armed than Jews were allowed to be. I, I don't know if I can ma manage a. All right. On the other hand, yeah, all right. Go on, uh, pause for a moment. Go on with that. Um, 
So that, that that's the sort of parallel that I, I would be looking at drawing. Maybe not exactly that one, but something along those lines. Well, maybe, so if, yes. if there are elves, there, there isn't an elven nation with great big cities somewhere. But, right. there, but there are elves who are the ultimate expression of the blokes who live in the Greenwood and are outlaws. Hmm. Okay, there are... Yeah, the homeless... The people who live with us but do not have their connection to the land. If you want to do the magical thing, then a connection to the land could be actually quite quite mystically significant, if you like. Yeah, magic is where it starts to get tricky. Uh, well, particularly tricky. It always is, yeah. Um... I, I I want I still want battles with you know knights and crossbowmen and peasants and stuff. Yeah. Not battle wizards. So the thing that occurred to me was to make magic power dependent to some extent on isolation. Yeah. Too many people about interferes or too many. Interferes and, and or just make, makes you feel uncomfortable. And in in GURPS terms, I'd be starting to add disadvantages like uncongenial and loner and demophobia. As you, as you get more powerful as a magician. Oh, that's good. In fact, you probably want to make a a, a tree of developing weirdness, um, a, a, an actual step-by-step... Yeah. Re- reasons for this. Um, a, you you don't get to employ a powerful magician who, who lives in town because they just don't want to. Yeah. Um, they probably don't even want to be out with your army. If you, if you want... You know, this, this comes into the church because... The, the church is very much at the core of everything, and this is something that modern writers sometimes get wrong because yeah. we, we now don't live in that society, in, in that mindset, and it's sometimes hard to yeah. get into it. But yeah, the church is vitally important. Everybody knows the blokes at the top are a bit iffy. Yeah. But your local village priest, he's still the guy who stops you going, going to hell unshriven yeah. when you die. Um, he, he may be a bit of a bastard too. Uh, one of the themes... That we of the book we haven't touched on of the of a distant we haven't touched on is the effect of the Black Death, yeah, uh, incoming and and uh, um, the 14th century is 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 she calls it the dismal I think the dismal city century. <laughs> um, it, it is 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 depressing for for so many reasons, uh, but the, but the, the 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 reduction of the population by a third, whilst in the long run a good thing. From certain points of view, and and the fact that the, the the nobility can't cope with the fact that they have to be nicer to the peasants mm-hmm. is is one of, is one of the things. But it, it just just adds so much. But well, the thing that triggered me off on this was some of the local clergy behaved very badly. A few were saints and behaved very well in in response to the Black Death, mm-hmm. but a lot of them ran. So, if we're, if we're going to transfer this into a, into a fantasy setting, yeah. one of the classic ways that clerical power in games is limited is as a as a true faith thing. You know, you, you have to obey the dictates of your god, yeah. or you lose your power. But that can't work here, because we have priests who who are horrible and rotten. If they lose their magic, then somebody can say, "Hey, he's lost his magic. He's a bad priest." Yeah, the the uh, what's it called? The, the latest heresy. The 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 the, uh, the Catholic Church takes the point of view: even if everybody is a sinner, even if you're a sinner, you're still a priest once you've been made one. So. Um, also, we've got two. We've, we've got competing popes. I mean, I, that's the thing I want to keep in. Yeah. And if there is a single god that gives clerical powers, it's not going to give those powers to both popes. One of them is right, and one of them is wrong. Therefore, mm-hmm. that therefore it can't work that way. What, what the magic for priests comes from, yeah. I don't know. It's probably going to be quite rare anyway. But it, it's going to be limited because, after all, they have to live in a village with people. Okay, hang, well, it doesn't doesn't have to be the same sort of magic. The the thing is, uh, miracles and magic are, are different things. Yes, but they are they are supernatural effects. So I'm lumping them together for the moment, and I can split them out if I need to. I'm thinking of priests as quite possibly he, the the sort of things that are useful in a village. Blessing the fields is the is the number one thing here. Um, blessing the sick. Yeah, blessing, uh, which which might actually manifest as healing and curing of diseases, or it might not. But it, it's in that what, direction. You could do you could do it as the as the, the the solitary magicians have to be away from people. The priests have to be with people. Yeah, drawing power from their community, perhaps. Yeah, that 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 would that would that would work. Being the being the focus of the 
the will of the commun of the community. If you need really big healing, you probably go to go to the hermit who lives in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it shouldn't be instantly obvious to a sceptic that something is going on with the priests. But over the years, you know that you are better off if your child is 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 baptized. Well, and the, there's. There isn't really much of an opportunity to test this, because nobody's going to be living in a village without a priest if they have any option about it. Yeah. And e historically, even the free companies had uh, going off on their rape and murder sprees had priests with them, because they, even they didn't want to die on Shrivna. In fact, that, that's the thing I would like to bring in. I, this is so vastly important. I, I might even have a metagame effect. You know, If, if you die on Shrivna, maybe your next character is haunted by the ghost of the previous one or something. Oh, ugh, ugh. You, you really want to try to avoid this. You would have to be careful. In the design of the of the um, religion, in its actual tenets, you don't want to do something that's too similar to Christianity. It wants to be different enough that it will engage the attention of the players yep. to actually learn about it. But on the other I, hand, I, I will feel I've won if I have players engaging in theological dispute. Yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, you do want it to have the same sort of feel of approving of certain things and approving, disapproving of others. And yeah, the, the, there certainly has to be a poverty, humility sort of strain in there, yeah. because that is why the princes of the church are intrinsically bad, rather than just because they're nasty people. Yeah, um, they have, and and it allows for people like uh, Catherine of Siena to come along and nag popes and say, "Look, I am this whole. I am so holy. I I I I live in. Th I, I live for, uh, without shoes. I live without proper clothing." I, I barely even eat, and you've got to listen to me, all right, Your Holiness? As we have said in, in, in uh, previous episodes, you can't go wrong with a mad nun. <laughs> so, all right, okay, so, so now picture you, you, you've got the aspiring sorcerer, yeah. who, who is, he's, he's wanted to go off and build his tower in the middle of nowhere and learn about magic. Yeah. Because I do see this as a full-time study. Okay. Ju just as being a knight is. Okay. Um, but... He he now has to go and go and uh, find old books and other yeah. du dubious old things. Roman artifacts is the umbrella term, but most of them are probably not Roman. Um, and obviously, he's got to have people to watch his back, so he's probably going to hire a, a, a small free company. You know, five, oh ten yeah, people. that's a nice. That, is that that's is that your 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 focus? That that is my initial focus. Yeah, because apart from anything else, in a fantasy game, it's the sort of thing people expect to do. Yeah. Um, so that's how it starts, and the, the the thief archetype. I don't know whether that even fits. Hmm. It's it's probably a thing that some of the blokes in the free company do as well as fighting, rather than something they're specialised in. Yeah. Um. But so, but that that's how it starts. Where it gets distinct from that, because I mean, if you if you're just going going into a into an old ruin and bashing things and and taking books, that's a generic fantasy game. The background could be anything you like. Yeah, but then they have to engage with society. All right. At, at the very least, they're going to need to sell stuff. Yeah. All right. Hang on. Quick question: Why, How does the wizard engage with society? What good is he to anybody? Uh, what he's, he's, he's not, and he doesn't want to be, but he does have to eat. Well, he has to. He ha excuse me. He has to have land, and he has. To, I mean, it, it'll take land that is marginally habitable. Um, and but he, he needs. He needs to. He needs to be able to. Either get the grant of land for services to the crown, or he needs to be able to earn money himself to pay taxes to so the crown will leave, leave him alone. So, mm -hmm. what are his powers good for? Divination is is an obvious one. It's long term, and he can he can provide that sort sort of sort of service from his tower. Enchantment is another, I suppose. Yeah, I I don't see this as as your practical fireballs and things, particularly. No. It it might be in there, but by the time you've learnt to do that, you you've really lost interest in that sort of thing, I feel. Or maybe or maybe everybody knows don't piss off the wizards. Don't piss off the wizards. Kill them from a distance if you absolutely have to <laughs> but don't get them on your case. Maybe they maybe they've got that sort of casual power but it just doesn't interest them. Yeah, and I, I, I picture spells as being big and slow, and, yeah. and you, you, if you put big and slow into a divination, it works reasonably well. If you put, put big and slow in, into, into the enchantment on your tower for when, when people come calling they aren't welcome, yeah. it probably eats them. Mm. But, uh, yeah, something like uh, ritual path magic, or, or in Gert's terms, 
Yeah, I, I would be looking at, at, at a custom system for this, I'm quite possibly based on something along those lines. Um, All right. So you're working for a solitary magician, and you keep, and you find stuff, and some of the stuff he doesn't want gets you tangled up in other hmm. matters. Yeah, I, I don't really see magicians as player characters, though they might be. But it, it would be an Ars Magica sort of thing. They're, they're not really going to be engaged in other than the same affairs that interest no, no, other he, people. He, uh, no, he's he's a pa- he's a patron. He uh, yeah. If, if if he doesn't have to go on the adventure himself, so much the better. So, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe he sent, maybe he sends apprentices. <laughs> yeah, to see if they're any good. Yeah. If the apprentice comes back with the scroll and he isn't insane, then he's worth further training. Now, you, you have this basic problem that adventurers are outcasts, which is another thing I'd like yeah. to play out. You know, the, the peasant and the priest and the knight and the king have a specific slot in society, and they, they may be trying to get out of it and move into a different one. Yeah. But everybody knows what they do. They obey somebody, they command somebody else. You have a place. I, you are somebody's man. The adventurer, is a, the adventurer is a masterless man. Yeah. Uh, the stereotyped adventurer is the swaggering bravo who's going to steal your gold and or your daughter. Uh, adventuring women are probably going against the will of gold as well because they're not obeying their husbands. Mm. And, yeah, the, there is going to be a social stigma associated with this as far as the rest of society is concerned. Well, hang on, hang on. The parallel, until you have enough money. Until you have enough money. Well, the parallel with, uh, with the real 14th century unfortunately, is something much more unpleasant, which is the roving bands of free mercenaries. It's a basic yeah. habit. Well, they're, yes, they're, you, you, an adventuring party is a free company, as far as anybody outside is concerned. The distinction is a fine one. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, they don't, and, and nobody else wants to deal with you, though, though they will admit that, gosh, you are just outside our town, aren't you? Welcome! Welcome, please don't kill us. Actually, it's more, hello, here, have some food and, and some money and go away. <laughs> uh, go over to that town over there. They've got plenty of stuff. They said rude things about your master. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they're, they're, but the free companies, basically, they got formed to fighting the wars. They had nowhere else to go. Most of them had, didn't have enough money to, to go home and buy land and, and be respectable. Mm-hmm. So they, they hung together and they kept on moving about and destroying places, basically. Yep. Going out and, and looting towns and, and shaking them down the way they had for their former master and keeping on doing it until they... Um, and that we don't have to send all the money back to the boss. Yeah, until another war comes along and they can say, oh, right, there's slightly better pay over we're, there. We're an experienced company, we are. Yeah. The, the, end, the end point comes after the 14th century when... King of France basically says, right, I'm recruiting that company there, that company there, that company there, and that company there, and the rest of you are going to get suppressed. <laughs> but by then, yeah, one of the things... But is, by, by then you, you need to have an actual regular army to make that work. Well, that, that's the point. And you need to have the ta- a, a, a stable tax taxation system mm-hmm. in, able to, in, in order to be able to have a regular... Army, the the story of yeah, I, I improvisation in the in the tax system is a, is a horrible yeah. subtext. Yeah, and here here is a point where I really don't want to say the free companies are orcs, because that doesn't work. the The point is the free companies are just like you if things had gone a bit worse. Yeah, or indeed a bit better. Yeah, they are, and 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 they they're the they are the people who got thrown out of the village for being too rowdy. Or being inconvenient, or raping the mayor's wife, or something like that, and now they're they're they're, they're out there. Oh, maybe they're back and causing more trouble. Here, the village I came from is just over. <laughs> uh, the, oh, yeah. we need to get even with. Them. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. I think you need a, a the early the early stages. You work for for an isolated wizard. You're his men, his company. You yeah, go so, out. So, so player characters are men as arms. Uh, maybe, maybe knights who've lost their land or riches for some reason, yeah. but can just about keep keep a horse maintained, which which is expensive, so they're going to be fighting for a bigger share of the loot. Um, might be wizardly apprentices, certainly junior priests who get sent out on this thankless job because no, nobody should be without a priest after all. Well, quite. There's probably a, a very small village near near the. Uh, the I see the, the see the wizard as living on a headland, some distance from the in a tower, some distance from the village, but he's got to have a. A village where a place to keep his people and to raise a few sheep and you need you need sheep for vellum and vellum's damned important. <laughs> so, but you've got or is, it, or is it cows you need for vellum? I think it's sheep. Well, it's leather, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, 
the but uh, the but that but uh, and that's the early stage. How does it get involved in the greater game? Well, once your band has got a bit more money yeah. and, and a bit of reputation, this could go in different directions. I, I don't think there's a single progression. I mean, what, one thing is sign up and fight in a war, which could happen at any point. Yeah. The path to respectability is a difficult one because everybody knows what free companies are like. Yeah. You can set up your own kingdom on the edge of somewhere. That that's one option. And you know, you'll probably get peasants because you probably aren't that much worse than everybody else. Yeah. Um or you can try to engage with the um lower and then higher levels of the nobility. I mean, from but, a, you, but you, you probably want to start recruiting people who actually speak their language, which in some cases is going to be a literal concern if, yeah. you, if you're in English. Uh, the uh, that your analog to Italy would seem to be the, the logical place to go if you're going to build up the, um, uh, the 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 scale of things. City states, yeah. City, city states, constant, and uh, and if you've got a, a company leader. Uh, then he, he is he is the one. You want to have a reputation like Sir John Hawk, Hawkwood's of being, you know, stays bought, stays bought, abs- uh, absolutely competent, absolutely reli- reliable, absolutely uh, merciless, absolutely merciless. Yes, and willing to do complete and utter bastard things um, in return for pay. Um, and you, yeah, yes, so, so so you you could have the situation which seems to have happened to quite a lot of historical condottieri. Um, you know, um, we, 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 the city-state, would like to retain you as our permanent guard, yeah. rather than having to worry about rehiring you every year because somebody else might make a better offer. Um, yes, so, uh, so we can be really generous with things like land as an alternative to the money that we're running out of. So, yeah. that, so that's a way of settling down and starting to build up your political status. Yeah, the trouble is that any free state that isn't absolutely desperate will already know what Machiavelli wrote some time later <laughs> that either a, uh, either uh, a a mercenary leader is very good, in which case um, he wants your job, or he's very bad, in which case he isn't worth the money. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, I mean, there is a there, there there are many roads to possible success and glory, but none of them is going to be easy. But I don't think that's a problem. Okay, that that gives you a focus for the the leader of the group. I'm not sure. The others stick with him because taking advantage of the group's reputation is probably the yeah. first thing. Um, you need a really cool name, yeah, and uh, and uh, to build uh, a reputation. I, up. I am Orwolf of the Grey Company, and you know about the Grey Company, so you know how good I am. Yeah, you need. I think you would need to build towards some sort of climax. Some, do you want the climax to involve supernatural stuff? I wasn't really picturing tying this to a specific campaign narrative. Okay. I have no objection to that. Well, event, event, I, I, I think it might be a good idea that it emerges, but, okay, yeah. It's, um, it's, what, what, it's, one of the obvious it, it, questions yeah, go on. is the source of priestly magic. Yeah, go on. Which I think we've established is not divine in the sense that we normally understand divine. Yeah. Because God is not going to smite you for uh, being a nasty person while still doing it. Maybe God's just very tolerant. I often think he has to be. Uh, but, but yeah, there, there ought to be... It, it may well turn out that they are actually doing the same sort of thing as those, those nasty sorcerers who, who seduce other men's wives and witches who put moraines on your livestock and things like that. Yeah, I don't know if that's, that's the sort of thing that you can... I'm not sure that's the sort of thing you can resolve by most people, I mean, uh, by most people's, I, there, there, there certainly isn't likely to be any sort of scientific experimentation. Um, I, I, I may right. have, Holy I, Father, if you just stand over here whilst you're <laughs> cast, uh, you pronounce the interdiction, uh, uh, our instruments will pick it up. I, I may have players who are too interested in philosophy of magic. <laughs> yeah, but the the problem, yeah, it's it at some point. Um, you need you need a thing that it will turn out to have been about all along. Right. Well, reaching for the historical parallels, what we have is is the decline of chivalry and the concept of the warrior. Yeah. I, I'm tough, me, and you're going to follow me because I'm tough, and it's his replacement with the soldier. Yes. Because we are disciplined. 
Soldiers arrive, but soldiers, up to a point, soldiers arise from the mercenary companies. But more yeah, it, they it arrive be, from city-states starting to defend themselves. It could be driven by player characters if they make that transition. Yeah. It, um, and all, all, all it takes is somebody to feel some actual genuine loyalty beyond what he's being paid for, which seems to have been a remarkably scarce commodity, <laughs> judging by the book. Well, quite. The, uh, yeah, actually, the, the Black Death, if you want to tie in the supernatural things, the reason why the Black Death comes, and the reason why neither the blessings of the priests nor the magic of the wizards does the least good against it, would be a big theme and maybe a way to resolve what's mm. really going on mystically. Yeah. And one of the other advantages of breaking with real-world history is we can shuffle things out of order a bit. Go on. And, and, and have the plague coming as a relatively late development in the campaign. Like there, there were recurrences anyway. Oh, there, there were recurrences. Um, still are recurrences occasionally. But, yeah, it becomes... Um, I don't know. I, people, say, people were genuinely speculating whether this was the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, trouble is, I, I, if you are out there and people are dying and dropping all around you, I don't know what a player character does whilst people are just dropping down dead and you can't do anything except run away. Maybe you mm -hmm. go up to a villa in the mountains and tell stories. That <laughs> <laughs> would never work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think you've got, you've got a lot of ideas. Yeah, it, it's very fluid at this point. You probably want to Which think... Is my, my favourite stage of a campaign, to be honest, before I have to start nailing things down. Yeah, you probably want to think about the mythical and practical implications of non-humans. The, the strange... Well, in relatively small numbers is probably a good start. Yeah. They are... What is the human superpower? They breed like humans. This is true. They they live long and breed slowly is the, is the, is mm. the thing which is a source of envy and uh, and suspicion. I'm the dwarves living in cities and being traders and uh, and that is that's, that's almost a very neat idea in itself. <laughs> and I don't know do the do they get a chance to see uh, the, uh, the 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 dwarves dwarves are people too or do they join in the Sort of, it's not trouble. Is people behave like bastards at all levels mm -hmm. of the of the of the, the historical. Setting. And this is going to include some of the dwarves, quite. And but uh, and they are, but it's the player characters, player players, when they're not being utter so, so, sociopaths, which happens to me very little. Maybe it's my good influence. Do have a tendency to want to to have some sort of standard to be one some sort of they want they want to be the ideal of chivalry well that that could be another campaign theme there are these old stories and indeed new stories being told about chivalry which are widely regarded as yes this is very nice but we've got we've got uh, lands lands to pay for and money to make what happens when you actually try to live by that hey what happens when when, when you're so good that you can actually survive it what happens when you discover that the stories were were to some extent, of a certain value is real. If you're going out and discover and digging around in um, in holes in the ground left behind from the period when the when the big semi-republican empire collapsed, what happens when you find Excalibur or something like that, mm -hmm. or maybe just one of the le le lesser lesser treasures, and and you and 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 you discover that there were such kings and there were such glorious times, and they went away for some reason. Maybe that's part of the thing. And Excalibur probably has its own motivations. Hmm. Why, Excalibur... Actually, you want the scabbard. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you want both, don't you? <laughs> but, uh, all right. All right, I think that sounds, that sounds like fun. Let me know if it ever comes to anything. Uh, so many don't. talk about a genre perhaps certainly a style of gaming I don't which we've mentioned in passing but I don't think we've taken a specific look at and that is the 
world hopping, the multi-dimensional, multi-verse game, in which one of the main features is that you're travelling from different worlds to different worlds, or you're adventuring in worlds whose history, whose real base reality isn't your own, which means that every game is partly an exploration and is also a bit of a mashup. As distinct, I think it's worth saying, from a pure time travel game, which, yeah. which, which we can talk about some other time. We probably but, should. Yeah, but but you you are going to not just your own history, but alternate histories or completely different dimensions or yeah, anything goes. Well, the the big uh, the the big publication for this is GURPS Infinite Worlds, um, which they have supported to a certain degree, and which features the idea of one technologically advanced world which has discovered after history much like our own um, has discovered how to travel to other worlds and is in a war with another alternate history um, where for control dominance over the available easily available worlds the worlds are infinite but uh, some are easier to reach than others yeah then Although they are described as infinite, they don't actually seem to have that many of the things. I mean, double digits, maybe triple digits, have even been mentioned. But, uh, well, it's... Uh, yeah, but but there may be an infinite number of oranges out there, but you can't eat them all, I think mm. is the word. Um, and there are certain types of fruit that you don't want to touch with a ten-foot barge pole. It's an interesting study, but I'm not quite... I've never been quite sure what to do with it. <laughs> Before we, we go on to, to specifics and, and look at the difficulties, um, I think we should mention other. There was a thing called Fringeworthy, which I, mm -hmm. I, I never... Tritac, I think. Tritac, yeah. And there is a, a, a setting called Nexus the Infinite City, which I am one of the lucky few to have a copy of, <laughs> um, uh, which was um, uh, the idea of fragments of cities which had collapsed into each other by a shifting set of dimensional gates and from there you went out into other very distinct worlds, exploited them, explored them and got involved in them. Um, it's not a big genre but it is one that appeals to a lot of gamers but I have a problem with it um, which is sort of twofold. If you're just going to a world then it becomes a bit like, um, what was it called, Jumpers? The one sliders. That's the, that's the one where you are. You, it's, it's the world of the week. Yeah, this is the world in which the British won the won, won the Revolutionary War and are being complete and utter bastards to the Americans. Uh, or this is the world in which communism won, and you get a week to do it. And that isn't quite satisfactory from a, the exploration point of view. And on the other hand, there is the game where you are dedicated to a you're outsiders but you're dedicated to a particular world. And that isn't quite satisfactory either. Yeah. Um, I have run a GURPS Infinite Worlds campaign. Okay, how? Uh, I'm Well, I, I was us using the um, sta standard um, Infinity versus Centrum, so we've got two cross-dimension cross travelling powers yeah. try trying to wrong-foot each other. Um, I start off by making it deliberately fairly cinematic. Uh-huh, well, that seems, um, that seems doable, yeah. Th there is the black police captain who yells a lot and takes ultra medication whenever he sees a certain member of the team. <laughs> it was not quite World of the Week, but it was more towards that end than the other. Some Something strange is going on. We, we, we've got somebody on this world who has just brought an aerosol can, and they're not supposed to have invented the aerosol can yet. Maybe they've just got a genius, or maybe somebody's yeah. leaked it to them. The problem with the you're outsiders and you're coming in, is that, for one thing, they context is is, is the key to, to living in, in any society. Mm -hmm. And you're coming in without context, without even a language in some cases. Yep. The language problem, that uh, it always struck, surprises me that, that Steve Jackson Games haven't made standard kit, a universal translator, or at least a, a set of plug-in chips you can plug into your brain, and then you've got the language. Well... Yeah, the history of Infinite Worlds kind of works against that. Um, it started off as a side setting in GURPS time travel. Yeah, I remember. It was, so 30 pages in 1991. Yeah. Um, but because they were looking at not being too overpowering, I think, 
Um, they said, yes, they got some slightly advanced tech they've taken from other worlds, but fundamentally, and particularly because primary research is kind of stagnated when you can steal things from other worlds instead, True. they're not actually that much advanced over the present day. Which has the benefit of saying, of preserving what it feels like to be a human being in from our world to theirs. But yeah. it also means no universal translators, because apart from the one thing of the um, cross-time device, yeah. it's trying to be relatively super science-free. Yeah, it's odd that, but um, as it develops, as it becomes, well, they do the fourth edition, and they want to play up the well, generic. Be before that, and the thing that had really cast a long shadow over the setting is the Alternate Earth series. Yeah, two books by Ken Height and others. Yeah, uh, each of which dealt with six worlds in 128 pages. Yeah, so not a huge amount of space, but a reasonable amount, and it starts to become fairly clear in those that what the authors were interested in was mostly the alternate worlds, not how the Infinity Patrol interacts with the alternate worlds. Mm, true. Uh, you, you would get a great long section of here, here are the sorts of things that can happen in this world, and then two paragraphs at the end saying Infinity is trying to do this, and Centrum is trying to do that. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that made, that made it more difficult to run games. And yeah, as, as, as you say, uh, when 4th edition came along, it became a sort of default meta setting. Um, any, yeah. any, any world book for GURPS um, can be and will was, be. was going to have, a, at the very least, a box saying how the Infinity Patrol interacts with it. Yeah. Um, that that got relaxed as, as uh, things changed, but the, the concept of it was still there. And so, for example, they, they brought the Cabal into a much more important position. Yeah. This, this being a, a... I've never really felt that the Cabal's mini-universe worked well with a multiversal setting, it must be said. <laughs> um, very briefly, th this Gups Cabal was a source book for um, basically an, an enemy organisation, the Shadowy Conspiracy of Secret Magicians. Yeah, except that you are encouraged to be part of the Shadow Organisation of Secret Magicians. In fact, that's the fun part of running that, yeah. in my opinion. Um, uh, OK, so let's say it's a very fragmented organisation. It's probably technically many organisations. Um, some parts of it you really don't want to go anywhere near. Yeah. Uh, even as a member. Um, but basically, they're, they're weird and strange, and they, they got brought into GURPS Infinite Worlds as one of the presumed antagonists on the basis that they aren't Infinity. Yeah. One of the one of the several uh, groups with world travelling capacity. Oh. Um, yeah, who are not really not um, uh, people you would want to be able to dare play with the um, uh, with the fate of worlds. I mean, when, uh, when Centrum I... looks positive, respectable, and uh, responsible uh, next to next to the Cabal. Well, it depends on which bit of Cabal you're dealing with. Um, when I brought them in as not not antagonists, mostly um, more more sort of background colour in the game I was running. It was more. We we have goals here, but we're not sure we actually have the language in common to explain them to you. So you know, we'll get on with our thing. You get on, you get on with your thing, and let's hope we don't meet again. Yeah. Though, so, well, right, we'll fight zombies together if we have to. <laughs> and we'll fight this. And we'll fight the the dimension hopping Nazis because, hey, we don't yeah. like them either. <laughs> <laughs> we have completely different reasons for not liking them. Actual, actual guilt may be involved though, which is rare with the cabalists. Also, they're doing things with demons which we which we feel have, have, have the potential to lead to loss of containment accidents. Yeah. <laughs> the the problem. But anyway, like, you, you, you've you've got this four power setting which never really got fleshed out all that much because the the, the basic setup for yeah. the Infinity campaign was the two power setting, Infinity versus Centrum. They're using fairly similar technologies, fairly similar things. They've got slightly differences in what they're good at. But basically, they were going one to one against each other, and there's not been a lot on how you would do Infinity versus the Cabal, say. Well, the, uh, there's not a huge amount on how you do Infinity versus Centrum, but there is more. Yeah, the, well, the, the thing that a lot of GURPS books did, and we talked about this a little while ago when we were talking yeah. about pulp space games, yeah. and in, Infinite, uh, GURPS Infinite Worlds has the same problem. It gives you lots of campaigns, yeah. four or five paragraphs of here is a campaign you could build times ten. Yeah, as opposed to spending all that space on one campaign, which might or might not be the campaign you wanted, but would give you a lot more detail if it was. And th this is a very distinct 
change from the way most role-playing products do it. I like it because I like to have the world and then I can build the campaign I want, but I think this does contribute to more sales because it's a slightly older model of expecting the GM to do a bit more work yeah, than the, it's uh, usual now. The, the one they did flesh out was Technomancer, which was a fun product. Um, but... Um, I'm not, I, again, that probably has its own problems when you're when you're trying to run a campaign. The the problem I have with um, Infinite Worlds, the way it's getting, is that it does mash in, and you, it's very hard to uh, to keep it purely to the modern day technology plus a little bit when they've got access to worlds with uh, reliable magic and um, and with high technology that. You have got the excuse of, well, it doesn't work outside that world. But yes, it's that's not crude. One, that's um, crude. I, it, it, it I, would I have been nice to have something like the Torg Axiom system. Well, I've used things like that in, you, in, you, in a few, few of my ad hoc dimension hopping games. I mean, I've not done dimension hopping as a setting, but I have had thrown it into my, my long-running fant fantasy games. And one of the worst things that I got a reaction to was the person who's Kevlar... To, uh, a nicely bought suit of Kevlar turned into enchanted leather armour. He wasn't complaining that much, but it did feel a tacky sort of a thing, uh, GM yep. fiat sort of a thing to do. Um, and the, if you the, include the, the, all the stuff that keeps coming in, well, one of my vices is reading fanfic, um, and uh, specifically Buffy Vampire Slayer fanfic, and I came across this disclaimer in a recent bit of uh, stuff I was reading. I do not own Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, Stargate SG-1, or any other incarnation, Cheers, Silence of the Lambs, MASH, The West Wing, Beverly Hills 90210, Harry Potter, Highlander, Frasier, Due South, or any other cross in this series. And I feel there is a temptation in running multi-world campaigns towards that sort of, let's throw everything in. Mm. And that can work, but from my own experience trying to do this sort of, or indeed just trying to do settings with lots of stuff in them, um, you need to do the same thing that you, you need to do if you're starting to play GURPS, which is start with something basic that people yeah. can get a handle on and introduce the weirdness a bit at a time. The, so something basic could be you know, a fantasy campaign with magic or yeah. a high-tech campaign with spaceships and lasers and things. And then introduce... The thing is... That, that may be another reason for keeping the tech level relatively restricted for infinite worlds. The thing is, there is a purity to a single setting, to a world that is consistent in itself. And when you introduce a multi-world behind it, that sort of compromises the purity of the setting. Yeah, the I, I think that may be why they dropped the idea of having the box about infinite worlds in each GURPS yeah. book. Because... Let's say Rain of Steel, for example, for which I've written. Um, you, you've got this um, very grim setting. Yeah. And the idea that there are a bunch of off-worlders who, who are potentially going to come in and make everything right does devalue the grimness of the struggle you're in. Well, quite. The, there is a tendency in, amongst gamers and geeks and geeky gamers to want to say King Kong versus the Hulk. Who would win? And I feel that impulse is behind um, a lot of... Mm, I've never really felt that one myself, I must admit. Um, I think, having thought about it for this, if, if I'm running a game in the Infinite World setting now, um, yeah. using the Infinity campaign, Infinity you, cool, you, yeah. you, you, you are try, trying to deal with things that go wrong and essentially maintain the status quo. Um, I might well say, OK, here is... Here a bunch of let's say six worlds, yeah. something like that. Uh, on each of these, you you have some sort of established cover identity mm -hmm. of people who drop out of sight for a long time. Yeah. And the the these worlds are your area of responsibility. Mm. So let let's say you you've got your local agents who live there all the time and yeah. keep up, and keep up the pretense that you're there too. And, but but, you, but you, when they, yes. when they see something that's a bit more than they can deal with, they call you in. So you you've still got the world of the week, and you're not stuck in the same place all the time. But you have the continuity, and you can establish contacts with NPCs and so on. And given the way the setting is written, given the fact that Centrum knows how to shift worlds from their current 
multi-dimensional point to another by altering their history. Mm -hmm. That makes the worlds as a group, if you can tie the themes together and the, the things that are happening together, even in just a vaguely mystical, symbolic way, that makes the, 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 the whole thing by, capable of being bound together into, into a group and into a, um, a campaign which moves towards a climax. Yeah, you'd probably want to put them all on the same quantum level because that, that's essentially a game abstraction saying it's more difficult to get to some worlds than others. Yeah, um, and, and it's, these are the worlds you can get to easily from uh, from World A, and they are the local Scary or whatever it's called, the, the, the cluster. Mm. And um, Quantum is coming along and is trying to steal them. But given given um, the sorry, what's that? What Centrum. Centrum. Given given that you have this idea of a of a organisation with some sort of hierarchy about it, yeah. I think the idea that you have a specific set of worlds that that are for yeah. which you are the first line of report makes sense. Uh, they, they would probably not be ones requiring major interventions because they would, that would just require lots more people. Yeah, but you are they're, they're probably going to, you probably want to drop them into more trouble than they can handle at, at least at least once. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm seeing this as a more organisational game than, than many. Um, obviously you, you have the resources of the patrol to call on for help if you need it yeah. but if you call for help when you don't need it then, then that's going to count against you in future. Yeah. Um yeah. Internal politics matters and, 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 and the and the station chief, or at least the sector chief, shouts at you when you go over budget. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the, the station chief has probably gone native. <sighs> Found himself a nice harem somewhere and uh, it, it owns uh, owns the island of Sicily. <laughs> Outright on 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 one. Uh, yes, I, yes, we 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 really have to mention H. Beam Piper here because yeah. that that's really where this idea comes from. It, it's been done occasionally in other places, but he 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 was the guy who did the big stuff. And the, many of the stories are now free to read, and I recommend them. If I can find a link, I will, I will send it. Well, Calvin of Otherwhen and and uh, yes, it's it's be beautiful beautiful stuff. It does run into some of the problems which um, uh, which. A, uh, which uh, SG games are deliberately designed uh, infinity, to, infinity to avoid, um, especially the idea that, that the timelines are still branching, and mm. you can, which ha has implications that are very weird. It's a lovely story in which he discovers that reincarnation, that the time mm -hmm. patrol discovers reincarnation is real. And so what, age, happens if, what happens if one of our agents gets killed off-world and reincarnates off-world? And they use that memory recovery trick. Oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the 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 problem with the world of the week, and the reason why I stopped it after I think it was about ten worlds yeah. that we visited. Um, there's a limited range of standard problems, and w yeah. without continuing NPCs and people you care about, that that you take some of the weight out of it. You you can have a mission to learn something. Mm -hmm. Um. It, one of the handy things about the Infinite World setting is, is it has historical parallel timelines as well, so so you can yeah. effectively do a time travel style thing by saying we're, we're visiting this world where it is currently 1610 and we want things to carry on as they are because if they go horribly wrong the, the world will shift and Centrum will get it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, learn, learn something, and they, they are used for historical research as well. Fix something that's gone wrong, which yeah. might be enemy action or might be just something strange, and get something out, or, or just be dumped somewhere and survive. But the, yeah, the, the, it, it's the, a fairly restrictive set of, set of um, basic yeah, concepts. Yeah, the, uh, the, there is the the uh, the, the published uh, adventure that started Technomancies. You you go to a world one of our agents is missing. We've only just discovered it. And oh look, they've got magic, and our agent has been turned into a vampire. How inconvenient! <laughs> no, no, we can recruit her. Um, I'm sure she'll be a valuable operative, though dead. Well, Gerps Infinite Wells does mention Otto Skorzeny, a parallel version of being recruited. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're not all that discerning. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he really was as good. That one really was as good as Otto Skorzeny wanted people to believe he was. All as good as he thought he was. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's a it's a setting you have to take with care. Actually, a nice idea if you had the six world group would be to have parallels of all the NPCs, seeing them come ab about in 
different incarnations and different ages. That might mm. work rather nicely. Yep. All right. That, this uh, you, is a, you, you could use that for anything from um, great great tragedies or comic relief, depending on how you, how you do yeah. that. I should mention the Horatio Club, which is the, the mm. other uh, Steve Jackson's other um, multi-world thing, which is merely a light sketch. The Gentleman's Club mm. in, on multiple mm. worlds, where if you are recruited and if you go through the right doors, you can find yourselves in all sorts of places. It's a nice, it's a nice light idea, and I think you might be able to do something with something like it. But um, it, it's for it's for one-offs and gen, gentle campaigning. Rather yeah, than I'm, I'm certainly heavy. not going to do any of this anytime soon because I'm playing in a campaign which is actually uh, from the point of view of the cabal. Yeah. Or a, a slightly saner than usual sub- subset of the cabal. I'm running. Uh, I'm u- I'm ripping off the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the Deccan system that um, from the cabal um, to be used very heavily modified in my current um, Isaac Newton reinvent magic um, game, mm-hmm. which is going terribly well. Good. And um, and I'm, and I'm, I have the unfortunate disadvantage of having a player who knows more about mysticism and occultism than I do. It's <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's pointed, and I can, I, I have not yet reached the point at which I have to admit how much I'm bluffing. Anyway, so many games, so little time. Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice with me, Michael Q. And me, Roger Bell West. And if you would like to contact us and uh, tell us about your experiences with the Black Death or why your infinite world is the one we should be visiting, uh, you can reach us by leaving a message at the website or by email to podcast at tekeli.ly. And next time we'll talk about more stuff.